Hello, friends and listeners. Just a quick correction before we get into today's episode. Um, I talk about Daniel Harold, who's an upcoming guest on the podcast in a few weeks, and I identify his Instagram group as Divorced After 40, and it's actually Divorced Over 40. So that's at Divorced Over 40. Four zero. I'll put that in the show notes, but I didn't want you to listen to me say over and over again, divorced after 40 when it's divorced over 40. So I hope you enjoy this wonderful episode with Dr. Elizabeth Cohen. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Detour Life. Detour Life is a game changer for both family law professionals and clients alike. Detour Life is an innovative online program which guides clients to easily input and organize the exhaustive document and financial disclosure process and provides professionals with streamlined and secure case management. In addition, Detour Life has comprehensive client onboarding, a secure document repository, income and expense sync, parenting plan agreement features, and much more. I use Detour Life myself, and honestly, one of my favorite features and one that my clients love as well is that they can securely link all of their financial accounts directly to the Detour Life platform so that their information is automatically uploaded and updated as time goes on. So whether you're getting a divorce or are a divorce professional, I urge you to check it out yourself. Go to Detour Life, that's D-T-O-U-R dot L-I-F-E, and sign up for their free 14-day trial. Then use code SUSAN20 to get 20% off a subscription. Coming up on today's episode of the Divorce and Beyond podcast. Specifically refers to the messages that men are given, that being emotional, being vulnerable, being open and sensitive is not masculine. It makes you weak and in some for some people feminine. Hello and welcome to the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host. As a top divorce attorney and family law mediator for 30 years, I know what you need to know to get through your divorce and most importantly, how to move beyond it to thrive and transition to your new future. My experts and I are here to give you the insider view into the process. So listen in for the wisdom and expert information you need on your journey through divorce and beyond. Hello and welcome to today's podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host, and today is the third in our special series of episodes with Dr. Elizabeth Cohen, the divorce doctor. Welcome back, Dr. Elizabeth. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Uh, we're, I'm so happy you're here, and I can tell you my listeners are so happy you are here. So I just have to give a few accolades to Dr. Elizabeth. What you all don't know is her first show that she did for us two months ago, which was called The Divorce Doctor is in the House, Dealing with the Emotions of Divorce. That episode is, and became very quickly, the number one divorce and beyond episode ever. 
It's my number one episode out of all. And then her second episode from just last month, so we're talking just four weeks ago, I think, The Perfect Storm, um, Anxiety, Depression, Divorce, and COVID rocketed to the top 10 as well. And I think you're, as of this morning, at number seven. So clearly what you have to say, which is no surprise to me, by the way, but clearly what you have to say and in the topics that we're talking about are striking a chord for people. So again, thank you for doing this series. Uh, it's It's been also wonderful because I'm getting outreach from listeners, as you know. You know, so yeah. one of the things, we, the topic that we've picked today, mass, uh, toxic masculinity, which I'm, we'll go into what, what that means. And I'll tell you right off the bat, everyone, I was wrong about what that meant. <laughs> um, but this was actually occasioned by an email that I received from one of the listeners um, who said, and Mark Worley, he, he said that it would be okay for me to use his name. So Mark, I want to thank you for writing this in. This episode is a direct result of your outreach. Mark said, hello, I want to say that the two episodes with Dr. Elizabeth Cohen have been very helpful for me as I embark on my own journey through divorce. My question for the next episode she's on is if she or you have any recommendations for programs similar to her Afterglow program, but are that are either designed more toward men or are gender balanced. Most podcasts or programs I've looked for regarding divorce and men seem to be geared toward the transactional side of divorce and not with the emotions and mental health. And I, you know, for me, huge bells go off because I had talked, I've talked to, I've talked to Kate Anthony about this, I've, who said she, she's put programs out for men, but they just don't come. Um, I've talked mm. to, uh, I've talked to a number of my guests about the fact that the num most of the people that come and reach out for help are women. Mm -hmm. But when I did go to you, Elizabeth, you were like, oh, this is, this is a topic. We need to talk about this. So let's dive in with just where I was wrong. You said toxic masculinity, and I wrote it down when we talked, and then I'm like, I had to Google it today to really understand. <laughs> and then I went, oh, it's not what I thought it was. So what's, what's your definition of toxic masculinity? Mm -hmm. Well, first, I just want to thank Mark for his vulnerability and willingness and openness to share his questions. So thank you so much for that. And Mark, your question is going to help so many people, women and men alike. So thank you so much. And Susan, I just want to commend you for being so connected to your audience that, of course, you create an episode when a listener asks a question. <laughs> well, this is, I, I, and I do want to say, you just said it, this is going to help men and women, we need to understand this phenomenon. And you and I just talked about that a minute ago, and we'll talk more about it. But, mm -hmm. you know, let's start with that toxic masculinity, because yeah. I don't know if Mark even knew that that's what he was describing in this. World. Yeah. So toxic masculinity is similar to how we describe any sort of culturally acceptable way of being in the world and interacting with our environment. And it specifically refers to the messages that men are given that being emotional, being vulnerable, being open and sensitive is not masculine. It makes you weak and in some, for some people, feminine. And that if you have any of the more vulnerable, emotional feelings, 
you are not man enough. I think that phrase right there just kind of says it, right? You're not man enough, which implies that you have to be a certain type of man to be enough to, to I guess, garner the positives in life. To have good things happen, you have to be a man. Exactly. And- and you know, we know early, right? It starts really early. And we know from the work that we do, Susan, that the more you push away any feeling, even if you look like you're okay on the outside, the inside, you're in so much pain. So it is our collective fault when we go out with a man and we say, they don't know how to tell me how they feel or they're... um always acting like everything's okay, or they don't know how to ask me questions. That's our culture's fault, not that man's fault. When we are, when our kids are little and a boy is crying, some people would actually use that really derogatory phrase, man up, but they would say, oh, there's nothing to cry about. They would call in the, in the past, they would call them derogatory names of women (laughs) You know, meaning that they were sensitive, which we don't need to say on the podcast. So the idea is that vulnerability is seen as shameful for boys and men. And it is very, very um, subtle at times. And so people might not even know that they're doing this. But for example, if you look at toys for boys versus toys for girls, I never understood why there weren't dolls, baby dolls marketed for boys. Um, it's, if you go into a store, most of those baby dolls, first of all, are girls and they're in pink and they're, they're clearly ruffles and right. So nurture, nurture, right. Is for women, not for men. And that is wildly unfair to men and wildly unfair to women as well. Right. Well, and that's actually um, one of the statistics that I found that goes to the harm that toxic masculinity causes is, you know, there is harm to women that will flow from it. And we can talk about that, but it does hurt men as well. So the World Health Organization believes that risk taking behaviors and lack of willingness to seek help are among the most important reasons for higher rates of negative health outcomes for men. This includes ailments like heart disease, COPD, and other respiratory diseases, depression, and alcoholism, and men also experience shorter life expectancies compared to women. They tie all of that to how we are socializing men to be tough guys, to not be vulnerable. And we do start that. We dress little boys in little baseball outfits and little lumberjack outfits. And we put little girls in little ballerina outfits. And we do say that man up. I've heard people I know say that. Right. And I, I think that when you, when you, it was so poignant to me just now when you talked about how men, the health consequences of this toxic masculinity, because we've talked on other um, forums together about substance abuse. And, you know, substance abuse is simply someone trying to manage emotions. They're just doing it with alcohol and drugs because they don't know how to do it any other way. And if you are a man who has never been taught how to manage your feelings and suddenly your wife up and leaves you, 
what are you, you know, what are you supposed to do? Right. What are your, we haven't taught boys and young men coping strategies. We just, there's something that happens. I know I have a teenage boy that when a boy sulks away, that's accepted as, oh, that's just how they are. They're going to go away and I don't know what, deal with their feelings on their own. Why are we thinking they're doing that? We're just allowing them to sulk away. Where maybe with a girl, people would be more likely to say, what's going on? What's happening for you? And that's just a completely biased approach because boys and men need us to care what's going on on their insides too. Right. Well, what is, I mean, think about it. You actually just used the example of a man and it just brings me back to Mark who wrote in who, you know, men are socialized and, and go through this, this, it's not okay to have emotions. It's not okay to express them. It's not okay to be vulnerable. Then they find them time themselves at a time, ladies who are listening, think about how you're feeling going through divorce. There is no reason to believe that men are not having the same difficult emotions yet we give them no way exactly. to deal with them. Exactly. And I want to take full responsibility and and kind of clean my side of the street that I am a part of this problem because I see only women in my program. And part of that is because I have grown up in that same toxic masculinity space. I had toxic masculine experiences and I didn't think men could be vulnerable until I actually started looking for it. And so I I take full responsibility, Mark, that I am one of those people who might set you up to feel like you having a hard time during divorce is a problem because there's no programs for you. So I want to be really clear. The fact that there are not as many programs for you is not because you are wrong for how you're feeling, Mark. That's our culture's problem. And those of us who do this work, we really need to reckon with it. And you've really given me some, you know, really important time to think about this and I'm going to reflect on it. You know, in my private practice, I can't tell you how many women come to me who let's say are dating and they tell me how they're feeling and their concerns about dating the new person after divorce. And then they start trying to hypothesize what the man might be thinking. This isn't a heterosexual relationship. And honestly, almost every time I look at them and I say, you know, that men come and sit on this couch and say the exact same things that you say. Like, they're not that different. They have feelings and emotions. And you should see these women's faces, Susan. They're like, really? I mean, it's it's shocking. And then we get into a conversation about toxic masculinity because it's so important. Well, that's, I, you know, I think it's something that many of us just never get to the point of thinking about. We will rail against, for good reason, the patriarchy and, you know, women not being able to break through the glass ceiling and and lack of equality in our op- opportunities and being socialized to only be the nurturers or expected to be the nurturers and the breadwinners, whatever those things may be. But we have to realize that we have to give the opportunities to the masculine side and the men in the world as well and understand the deficits that they're, they're, not deficits, that's absolutely the wrong word, the challenges that they're facing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, you know, as a divorce attorney, I've had actually, I think, 
more male clients than female clients through the years. Um, and this is when I was not mediating, when this is when I was representing clients. And I can tell you that because, you know, if, if there are certain people I think men do become vulnerable to at some point in time, their therapist, but guess what? They're divorce attorney as well, mm -hmm. because I, you know, I would, I've always said, and I'll tell, I'll tell my friends have always said, Hey, you know, all these single men, you're a divorce attorney. Why don't you set me up? And I'm like, <laughs> the men I'm with are at a difficult time in their life. This is not when you want to meet a man. But I also know they feel things, everybody feels things very intensely. Um, but I also see, have seen the effects, and I've really had to think about it as I've prepared for this episode, of how much that hinders men in the process of healing from what's happening in their lives with this particular change or yeah. you know, any, any change. They don't have anything to help them. And women have, you know, their friends and their, right. you know, everything. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting, Susan. I have a lot of people who write me on Instagram and in my private groups frustrated that their partners meet, and this is in heterosexual couples, um, women very quickly after the relationship. And I often say, do you know what it's like to be a man with not a coffee clutch of friends, not, not being taught how to reach out to friends, not being told to be vulnerable to friends, not knowing that it's okay to reach out to therapy. Like having another partner might be the only other person who they can be emotionally vulnerable with. It might not be that they're trying to fully replace you. And sometimes that really shocks them. Oh, I bet all the time it really shocks them. Um, and, and I, you know, that you say that. So um, there's a new, another guest I have coming on soon is Daniel Harold, who is one of the um, people behind Divorced After 40 um, on Instagram. And he caught my attention because he put, as a divorce dad, an extremely vulnerable post out on Instagram. And it completely grabbed. Now, first off, I think that tells you everything because it, grabbed my attention. Mm -hmm. But what we're going to be talking about is this divorced after 40 that they've created. He and two other, it happens to be divorced women, but they've created sort of a social group for people who are going through divorce because of exactly what you just said. He said, Susan, especially over 40 and especially if you're male, what do you have as a support system of friends and people who understand or that you can even talk about this sort of thing it, with? Absolutely. And, and it's because of that toxic masculinity that men aren't encouraged to have that kind of network. And by the way, we know what happens if you meet often stereotypically, if you meet a man who has a lot of female friends, people don't like that. Why not? Why can't they also have female friends or male friends who are, but they're going to more likely if they want to be vulnerable, have female friends again because of the toxic masculinity. And I would really, I mean, I'm hopeful. Um, we were talking earlier that the APA came out with techniques for therapists to work with boys and men because of toxic masculinity. And so I would really recommend it's just like how we started shifting calling girls bossy to calling them assertive. Right. I promise you that this episode is going to be so profound for people. If all you simply do is start noticing the implicit messages and explicit messages you are sending to men and boys. 
So when you notice that your partner is getting emotional and you say, oh, you're such a crybaby, you'll notice, wait, maybe I should say, oh, I'm so glad you can express your emotions. Like, would you call a woman a crybaby? No. No. (laughs) No. And you wouldn't say, oh, you're such a crybaby. Oh, I'm just teasing. Exactly. I'm just making fun, right? That's what we do. But we're not. We're just reinforcing that That message. Exactly. So to think about the next time you see someone in your life being vulnerable, who's a man, noticing it, rewarding it. The other day we had um, my husband... um, we, we, uh, thankfully our dog is fine, but we, he, we thought he was hit by a car. So it was very upsetting. And once we knew he was okay, my husband came in and like many people, once you know, it's okay. He just started hysterically crying. And my 13 year old said to me, I'm so glad dad feels comfortable crying. And I said, I hope dad cries every day in front of you. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? Right. I love that. Yeah. That she knew. And she, cause she felt, I could tell that she was like, what Ooh, dad's crying. This is a little, cause she grew up in this world too. Uh, uh, uh. But then she said, Oh, I'm so glad he could cry. And think about how that was for my son who saw his father cry. So Mark, like keep feeling your feelings. That is so deeply helping your kids and get the support that you need. Don't feel like it's a problem to be vulnerable. And it is real. And there are men out there who are, it's, you have to dig for them, but there are men who are vulnerable. And it's cool, um, Susan, you were talking to me, you can tell me the name of um, the athlete, but when athletes do it, it's so awesome, right? Because they are so quintessentially masculine and vulnerable. Hey everybody, it's Susan, and I'm taking a quick break to ask you all for a big favor. If you like the show, if you think it's helped you, I'd love for you to leave me a review, hopefully five stars, on your favorite podcast platform. I really want to get the word out about the show to anyone who's looking for help to get through their divorce and, as you know, beyond. Um, So if you would do that for me, I'd really appreciate it. I also love to hear from you. So please feel free to email me your questions, your comments, or just let me know how you're doing in your case or if a show helped you. You can reach me at divorceandbeyondpod at gmail.com. And don't forget to follow both me and the show on Instagram. That's at divorceandbeyond and at Susan Guthrie ESQ. Stay tuned for more from Susan and her guest, Dr. Elizabeth Cohen, the divorce doctor, to hear more about how toxic masculinity during divorce is a problem for everyone. Toxic masculinity is is how patriarchy hurts men. Because patriarchy is saying that that all all the power needs to be in this one homogenous way. If you are enjoying this episode, check out Now What?, a step-by-step guide to starting your divorce with therapist, coach, and author, Jill Barnett Kaufman. The first thing they need to do is gather their team um, because you can't do this alone. And if you try to do it alone, it's very difficult. So I tell people, get a team around you who can support you. And now we return to today's show. 
I found, um, you know, an article from Wade Davis, who's a former NFL player, right? Totally macho um, world of professional athletes. And he actually goes out and speaks to men in large corporations. He's Google, Netflix, and the NFL. He's actually done this to his former colleagues at this talk. And he talks about how to message you know, how to deal with toxic masculinity. And he very much says, this is not the work of women. This is the work of men for other men. And that's why he, big, you know, strong football player, goes out and has those talks. And that's why Daniel Harrell, that I'm going to have on the show, that's why he put that post out. He said the two reasons he did it were, one, he wanted his daughters to know how much he loved them and their mom, even though he and their mom weren't together anymore. And he wanted other men to know that it was okay to feel that way and put that out there. And mm-hmm. another friend of ours, Ben Heldfond, one of the authors of Our Happy Divorce. I happen to know that Ben will just get on the phone and talk with other men who need someone to talk to. Yes. Ben, I'm sorry I just put that out there, but feel free, <laughs> reach out to him at Our yeah. Happy Divorce on Instagram. Ben is, and he does it because he wants other men to know it's okay to feel, it's okay to be vulnerable, it's okay. Exactly. That's how you're going to heal and get through this. And it feels important, Susan, to notice that, to mention that is this, even, and I, I don't know Mark's um, background, but this is even more toxic for black and brown men and men of color. And one of the things I started doing for myself, I live in New York City, was actually looking for images of men being vulnerable, but specifically men of color being vulnerable to counter what we, the images we see in the media. And so I know there are a few, there's a few um, Instagram uh, feeds too. Like there's one called... Um, I can't remember exactly. I can try to link it, but really to try to get those images out of, and just think, right? All we need to see is a man, two men hugging each other and how, how different that would be than two men, you know, fist bumping. Well, not hugging during right. COVID, but yeah, right. I, I, <laughs> you know I what I mean. I thought that when you said it, but I do know what you mean. Yeah. Um, because we're not, I, I, it's so funny because I saw, oh, I told you. So my husband and I have been on a queer eye um, binge watching lately. And last night, the episode that we watched happened to be um, in a small town in, I think it was Nebraska or uh, Minnesota, Nebraska, but in the Midwest here where I am, um, where there might be it's sometimes a higher level of that masculine stereotype at times. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they went in and the gentleman that they were there to help was said something like, well, I've never had a gay person in my home, let alone five gay men. And all these, these men were coming up to hug him. And the first one you could see, you know, man hugging him. It was awkward by the fifth man hugging him. He was all in on that hug. And it's even that men don't hug other men. Right. Right. I I realized it because I knew we were doing this episode and I was watching the episode. I'm like, men don't hug other men. Right. We hug all the time. I, all the time. I haven't met yet, but I'm... Oh, I'm hugging, hugging you across the uh, all yeah. the time. Right. Yeah. Let alone like when you sit with your girlfriend and you're like holding hands, talking, just like touching each other. Exactly. Right? That, that there's this, 
need for physical touch as well. And again, that goes back to like the man finding a new partner right away. I mean, who are they hugging? You know? And so I think it's, there's this, there's this deprivation of, of emotional output that men, that we put men through that is so incredibly unfair. It is. And it's hard for them. I mean, we've talked about it. It's, it's truly hard for them alone to find help. Um, and yeah. I know one of the things that you did, I mean, certainly they can go to a therapist and, and talk to But a you know that which, the rates are much more that women, I think it's 60, 20 or something that men, 60% of, of a practice is usually women where. Oh yeah. 20, well, that's what that, you know, it's not okay to reach out for help. It's not okay yeah. to get mental health help. Right. Or and also if you right. get mental health help, this is what I've noticed. It has to be about your career. It can't be about your relationships. Right. Well, and that's, that's just more of it, right? Yes. That's just taking it. It's okay for a man to be focused and driven in his career. It's not okay for a man to be focused and driven on his family or focused and driven on finding a relationship that works for him. Or like our friend Bella Gandhi, who does, mm-hmm. you know, the dating, um, well, she, she pretty much is the queen of dating um, for, for everyone. I think something like 95% of her clients are women. It's not that she doesn't, she won't help men. It's just men aren't going to go and and get that type of assistance. And she goes in there and clears out the head trash too. She'd probably be great with helping men deal with this issue, but it's not where they're going. Right, right. So, but you did find a, a couple of programs that are geared toward men. Yes. So there's one program called the Everyman pro- program which and then there's a really beautiful one called the Mankind Project. So oh, those are the name. Yeah, That's so those are programs um, where people talk about um in general about men being vulnerable. I recommend people follow Jason Rosario who's um a black man who talks about the importance of being with other black men talking about emotional vulnerability. Um And I really encourage you to dig for this, Mark. I mean, it's not going to be the first, you know, page of Google, but you will find places and men who are doing this work. It's just not as prominent as the people who are working with women. Yeah. Well, and, and again, to be fair, it's not, I don't think that people don't want to help men. As I said, you know, Kate has tried to put out programs and has done outreach to men. And and unfortunately I think is just a cycle of the toxic masculinity. Most men are not willing to reach out. And one thing, Mark, you may want to do is follow Daniel Harold Harrod's group, um, uh, divorced after 40. I'm going to put all of these things that we're talking about in the show notes for everyone, but they do post. And one of the things that they're doing is they're in Tulsa, Oklahoma, um, and they do meet literal meetups where it's not in, it's not dating. This is not intended to go and meet your next, you know, Mr. or Mrs. It is intended so that you can get together and have some friends who are going through or have gone through something similar with the divorce and who want to get together and have friends who understand and who they can hang out with, have a drink with, or, you know, do they go hiking, they go and they do things together. And he said, you know, it's given him 
him community. Because when you get divorced, the other thing that happens for people is all your friends are your wife's friends. Mm -hmm. And that kind of goes away. All your married friends don't want to hang out with the unmarried. And Mm -hmm. the guy is actually the one who is generally ostracized a little bit more or just sort of left. Well, he doesn't need, you know, Mary, she's, she's so upset. She's crying, you know, we're Mm going to call her up and take her out to dinner. They don't do that for Bill. Right. You're absolutely right. And I want to just say to Mark and all the men out there that this is going to feel uncomfortable. You know, you're changing a long pattern of behavior. And so just so you know, centuries and centuries. Exactly. Exactly. So you do not have to be, you know, opening your whole heart on the first step on Instagram. Small, I always talk about this, small little steps. That is how we shift and change a behavior. So even just the next time you're returning a text to your ex or to your kids, maybe you're with your kids, you say, I'm thinking of you. I've worked with men on missing. You know, it's so interesting, Susan. Some um, men I've worked with, they're like, I just was, what is missing? What do you mean missing somebody? And I said, well, what is? what do you feel when they're not there? Oh, I guess I wish sometimes they were there. That's missing. But they weren't taught, you know, they didn't have girlfriends saying, I miss you, I miss you, like we did a hundred when we were all the time. Right. And so just that small little thing, add I miss you to a text. Just see how that feels to be just that little bit of vulnerable. Yeah, well, and I love that, by the way. Just adding that little bit of vulnerable, think about that in that moment. Or when something touches you or or you have an emotional uh, an emotion feel free to tell someone about it yes and us women need to be able to tolerate that and not say what do you mean i can say i can i trust me i'm a therapist and when my husband comes to me with vulnerability my first reaction is like what get over it <laughs> Shake it off. Shake it, exactly. I mean, it's just because of that's how, and then I think, oh no, he's a person. How would I want, I always think, how would I want someone to approach me? That's that's what I think. that's another great tip. That's another great tip. You know, try a little touch of vulnerability, let it out a little bit and think about how you would want someone else to treat you. Um, you know, some great tips because this is not going to be something that's easy to change for women. As you just said, it is not going to, you know, we, we I think it's an interesting phenomenon because we rail against the patriarchy in so many ways for good reason. But I'll tell you when something needs fixing around the house or when the garbage needs to go out or when the dog, you know, takes poop in the corner and I don't (laughs) want to go pick it up. Those are man jobs. And I go tell my husband that those are man jobs. So I'll fall back on the male, female stereotypes when it suits me. And I'm going to out myself on that. That's, you know, forget it. That's part of it. Exactly. And you know what, Susan, we could even say, and I've heard this said, I think before, that, pa- that ma- ma- toxic masculinity is, is how patriarchy hurts men. Because patriarchy is saying that the all, pow- all the power needs to be in this one homogenous way. Yeah. And men are not that either. Right. And they don't get a chance to be anything else. Correct. You know? I mean, this particular issue, it really goes to the place where I see this, I think, most, you know, predominantly in a divorce situation Mm -hmm. when we have a heterosexual mom and dad is when it comes to the parenting, because that's so often where 
people will fall back to the gender stereotypes and expect that that's what's appropriate. And if a man steps up and really truly wants to, you know, have that equal parenting and the experience of being the nurturer, as you used, I love that you used that word earlier because it's so evocative. Um, they're not given the opportunity and women don't give them the opportunity in the same way. I, I deal with female clients and, and, you know, mothers all the time who are essentially, you know, I'm the mother, therefore I'm the parent and that's collateral. He's collateral. Exactly. Exactly. Think about, I want everyone to just take a minute and just notice what happens when I say, oh, she, the mom is a stay-at-home mom, right? You're like, oh, okay. I know that. Now notice what happens when I say he's a stay-at-home dad. Yeah. Totally different. Ding, 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 ding. Exactly. We have a winner. So he couldn't get a job. He could, right? All these things. Right? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and and the other flip of that is uh, Susan Eckstein that I had on my show, who is a non-custodial mother. Right. The first thing you think about her, what's what's wrong with her? Exactly. Yeah. So exactly, and that's the toxic masculinity, and this which and the piece of the the mother needs to be the nurturer that we are so rigid in our thinking, and it's so even those of us who are really open. We're so incredibly rigid. I I remember sitting in a room, a support group, and a man who was probably in his 60s or 70s, I think he was in his 70s, started speaking and about his pain from his childhood. And I really thought to myself, what? This man is being... Vo-. I, I was so shocked. But I am telling you, from sitting in those rooms and hearing men be vulnerable, it's the reason I was able to remarry a really, truly whole man who can be vulnerable. I would have continued to be attracted to people who couldn't express their emotions. So women, for better relationships, we want men to be vulnerable. And that means we have to let them be. Correct. Right? So I think that that, you know, I'm looking at one of the um, the articles I found from Dr. Axe. I'm not sure what we think of Dr. Axe, but he, he had actually some good points. And I just was sort of looking at, you know, ways to deal with toxic masculinity. And we, I hope that this episode is actually doing some of these things, sharing facts about gender research, telling parents to be setting good examples and limiting use of harmful phrases or stereotypes Mm -hmm. in their homes Teachers discussing gender issues in classrooms and public figures serving as a positive positive role model. I mean, we're talking about all these things. We're, I think you have to talk about the issue, address it head on. I really think that Mark, to write that, and then when, you know, I reached out to him because I know what how sensitive this is and said, Mark, is it okay with you if I use your name in the episode? And he said, absolutely. Mm. And, 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 and thank you. He told me how to pronounce it as well. Um, <laughs> but I really appreciate it, Mark, because, you know, it really was the genesis for this episode and for it's really then what made Daniel's uh, um, 
post on Instagram lead to, to my reaching out to him to ask him to come on the show. And I think that's going to be a very impactful episode um, in a lot of different ways, not just on this topic. Yeah. Um, and, and it was something that you immediately, because I reached out to you right away, and, and you immediately jumped on as something that we needed to talk about. And I'm, I'm so glad we did. Is there is there one last tip that you can, you know, sort of, or a thought that you can leave people with on this topic? Everything that we think we know about how people are supposed to act based on categories is made up. They are not real. So anytime you find yourself thinking, filling in the blank, men don't, women don't, people of color don't, you know, fill in the blank, this Mad Libs, it's wrong. Everyone feels everything. Everyone feels everything at different times. The question is, do we allow them to express it? That's pretty powerful. I'm just going to let it sit there. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining me today on the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I hope you found some information and inspiration to help you on this journey. Please join me every Monday at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for a new episode. And if you like the show, please take the time to subscribe and leave me a five-star review on iTunes. You can also find more information on the website at divorceandbeyondpod.com where you'll find links to the YouTube channel, transcripts of the episodes, and other bonus content. So I'll see you next week to help you move through your divorce and beyond.